All righty, welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Man of Steel one individual minute at a time. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Nathan. You can also find me on social media at NoClutchNate, as well as my Instagram page, Clutch Figures. And I'm Chris Ayers. I'm co-host of the People v. Batman v. Superman podcast and also the upcoming podcast, DC Legacy Filmcast. And I'm on Twitter at Chris A. Creative. Alrighty, and today we're going to be talking about minute number 29 of Man of Steel. The minute starts with the rescued children of the school bus wondering where Clark uh, Kent has gone, or really, why did he jump back into the water? Uh, And then the minute ends with Clark and Jonathan beginning to have a discussion about the situation that just happened. Um, So in this minute, uh, Clark kind of reemerges from the water. He's got Pete Ross now. He's saved... um, the kid who's bullied him in the you know past couple minutes mm-hmm. um so you know 100% like being superman you know saving all that need help not just who you deem good but just yeah. anyone in need of help um perfect superman example um and then we're brought back to i'm guessing this is the Kent residence yeah, where Pete Ross yes. and, and, and his mother, well, I don't know if they're at, you know, the Ross's place, but I'm, you know, so they're back at the, the Kent farm and, um, Pete's mother says that this is an act of God, that this is Providence. Yeah. Um, but then you see a little, you see a little laugh, a little scoff from, from Jonathan Kent, um, by the way, enter uh, Kevin Costner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, once she says this, it was Providence, he kind of like has like a snicker on his face, kind of like a, like, oh my God, you're, you're a crazy lady. Like, I can't believe you. Like, like one, it's kind of like, one, uh, an alien kid falling from a spaceship and then him raising as your own, God, that's got to just like blow God and all perception of that out the water. So like when someone's kind of, contri- you know, attributing it to an act of God or anything like that. He's just kind of like, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Lady. It kind of makes it seem like his, his views are definitely more uh, of a, of a more hardened Jonathan Kent than, than, than I've seen in, in, in uh, comics or anything like that. Um, he's definitely a little bit more callous. Yeah. Um, we, yeah, we're introduced to Jonathan Kent who's played by Kevin Costner. Um, not Kurt Russell. Like (laughs) we messed up a few times before. I don't know where that came from. Um, we just love Kurt Russell. I mean, yeah, (laughs) uh, sorry, Chris, but in a couple episodes in the past, we've accidentally called him Kurt Russell for, I have no idea why reason (laughs) it was probably Providence. We did it for like three episodes too long. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I know I used to watch Stance of the Wolves a lot with my mother because she's super into like native american stuff yeah uh, so i'm really i'm out of you know dances with wolves and wide earp and water world and all that i know kevin costner mostly from dances with wolves because i've seen it maybe two or three times water world <laughs> from water world i think the most relevant reference to a kevin costner movie is probably field of dreams where he's basically lives out in a farm you know clears his place for these ghost baseball players to i can't even explain the plot but uh <laughs> But but the whole Midwest farmer aspect of Kevin Costner, it, it to me seemed like a perfect casting. I think it's great casting. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think honestly, 
and this might come as a shock, I think Zack Snyder has done perfect casting the whole time. Um, I know the, I think the one casting that might be a little weird to some people is obviously the Jesse Eisenberg, Lex Luthor thing. But if you don't think of that as actual Lex Luthor and more if it's just like his son, yeah. then it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, if he had casted him for the Riddler, it would have been perfect. But all in all, I think every every person that's been casted in, in these films, um, it's been perfect. I agree. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, gosh. I think Kevin Costner did a great job as Jonathan Kent. The teachings, especially in these flashbacks, are, are essential to the movie. But I think my favorite Jonathan Kent experience came from Dawn of Justice when he was on the mountain. That was extremely profound, in my opinion. Um, like I said, I think this this Jonathan Kent in Man of Steel is like the – it's callous. He's a little bit more – he's weary of, of the whole situation. He doesn't want uh, his son to be labeled a freak and to be, you know, seen as this guy that can fly and shoot lasers out of his eyes. So he kind of he, – he's very quick to write a lot of these things off. He, he's not like a, uh, a a typical Jonathan Kent that, that's, that's, um, that's okay to be different. That's uh, – you know, let, let's work on it, but, you know, in, in secrecy. It's just straight up suppress all of these feelings and, and urges that you're trying to have. We, we don't want to draw attention to us. And I, th- I think that comes, you know, for trying to protect Clark. Yeah, absolutely. I, I see the, the fathering aspect of it, but it's almost too of an overprotective father. Um, his mindset is, is perfect in the whole teaching. Like I said, afterlife Jonathan Kent is the perfect and best dad you could ever ask for, apparently. But this one, <laughs> especially during this uh, rough time in Clark, it it seems like scolding is more of a uh, more of a second nature, kind of just like a, we've, we've, we've been through this, we've talked about this kind of deal that we get later on, but like it's, it's almost like... Um, like an unforgiving Jonathan Kent, and that's it's very it, it took me off guard. Well, the, one of the reasons I wanted these particular minutes is because even though I do like Kevin Costner as this, I really dislike the advice that he gives. Yeah, um, it, which is complete opposite. We're going to get into that on in the next minute because we haven't even got there yet. But um, I think I think Jonathan Kent, his perspective in this is important in setting up what what Zack Snyder wants Batman v Superman to be, which is a Superman that is really unsure of himself and doesn't know exactly what to do. And, you know, um, I, it's not something I like personally. So I think, I think this is one of the, my first hint that this Zack Snyder verse was starting to go wrong when, when basically Clark basically gets in trouble for, for doing good. I mean, I, I totally understand. I understand what they're trying to do. I just, I don't necessarily like it. Yeah. I think in this moment we're, we're, um, He's really trying to tell people that there are consequences to the actions that you do. And more so than there are rewards for what you do. Um, and I think that's really trying to combat like people wanting Superman to just do the right thing without thinking about it. And Jonathan Kent is trying to be like, No, think about what you're like, think about what you're what you're doing. Because if you just do it because you feel like it's the right thing to do. The repercussions are yeah, like greater. The re- yeah, yeah, the repercussions are greater. And, you know, when people find out about you, they're, you know... We'll get into what he says later, but... Yeah. You know, she, he's... Uh, you know, Clark is... In this moment, Clark is scared for what he just did. Yeah. Um, 
Jonathan Kent is angry about what he just did. And Martha Kent is trying to smile through it, you know. Yeah, try. Yeah, you know this yeah. this family that they're not having to deal with. They're they're scared, and you know it's uh, this is an act of God. This is providence. This is this is unbelievable. Like that, what your son just did, and you know when the world finds out about Superman, this is gonna multiply. This is this is gonna be exponential. Yeah, you know this is just the start of it. He quickly diffuses it with, mm-hmm. what does he say? Like, I'm sure what he thought he saw uh, in referring to, to Pete, but, like, that whole, he kind of add that, that little bit of oomph to the word thought. It's kind of like, it's kind of like gaslighting. It's it's almost like, well, you're probably crazy because no one can lift up a bus and save a bunch of kids from, from a crash. No, I, it's a little bit of gaslighting there. <laughs> it's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's such like a, such a, such a different Jonathan Kent than, than what we're, what we're used to. I, he, he might sound a little harsh, but I think he's he's just, like at the end of at the end of the day, he's really just trying to protect his son because that's who this alien is to him. That's like his son. Yeah, you know. Yeah, he's got superpowers, but he'll always be a Kent. He's got to protect him. You're not wrong. I think it's interesting that the the words Pete's mom chooses she, instead of saying it's a miracle, she says it's an act of God. And act of God t- kind of has a negative connotation sometimes. It's like a you know a, a hurricane or an earthquake. Yeah, I mean they even use that as a classification in insurance. You know, are you covered by an act of God? Um, so I I think choosing between miracle, which has a positive connotation, and act of God with the negative connotation, um, is important in this. Because to, to Jonathan Kent, it's negative. Like the the attention they're going to receive from it is is a little scary to him. Yeah. Um, she also says that this is providence, which is pretty much a term that means an act of God. Um, and I'm pretty sure they, they chose that for a reason. They chose that inclusion of, of God because it's, you know, the, the whole DC kind of universe has like a parallel to superheroes being gods. Mm -hmm. So... She's not wrong. It's an act of God. No, yeah, that's but... why I, I love. That's why I loved the face that that Kevin Costner gave when he was he was laughing at that that thought of because uh... it's someone true. Yeah. Now the perception is, you know, she's talking more like uh, Christianity based God, but you know, what Superman eventually becomes is is God like, and yes, it was an act of God, but. Yeah, it has a double meaning. I mean, it literally was an act of God in, in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, if, if they view him as a God. Um, when, after that, um, so uh, Jonathan Kent looks out the window, notice that Clark is no longer sitting by the swing, and he's gone. So Clark, uh, Jonathan Kent um, leaves the house to go have a word with him in privacy. Um, and I really like the, the staging of this shot with Jonathan Kent and Clark. Um, if you notice, there's an adequate amount of space between the two. Mm-hmm. And um, when they're beginning to have their conversation, there's no eye contact. They're both looking separate ways. And um, Clark is hunched. Uh, he's clenching the, the, bed, the, the door, the bed of the trunk. Um, so you can tell that Clark is... Um, afraid. Yeah. Uh, he's nervous. 
uh, it doesn't, he's probably having like an argument with himself mentally, like internally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's great. I think, I think this scene is really well set up and I think this opens up kind of, I think there's, I think there's tension in what they say on purpose or like what they're about to say. Um, because they kind of want you to question it as an audience, like doing what's right versus doing the opposite. So I, I yeah, I'm sure you guys can relate to like a talk you've had with your own parents where you've, you've done something, you know, is wrong and maybe selfish and it's hard to talk and it's hard to look at your, your parents in the eye. But in this case, Clark does something that he felt was right and he's being punished for it. And that's, that's must be really difficult to know, you know, what is right. If, if, if what he did was, was wrong, you know, what is right. Yeah. I always, I always got a sense of like, um, him, him being a little bit fearful of, of his father and kind of thing. Like, I mean, it kind of puts a tone, like he, he puts a coffee pot back a little harder. He slams the door. It's definitely trying to portray like an, like an angry dad, like, Oh, you're in trouble. But then if you think about it, like, why is he in trouble? Just because he, you know, he's been talked about not showing off his powers and, and he showed off his powers. It's just, there's such a, like, a contradiction to what you would normally perceive a Superman, uh, the Superman character um, from, like, previous books or anything like that to this. It's just, it's completely different. Yeah. Um, but that's not to say that some situations with your parents are not like this, where in their, like, in, like, they're kind of whole like I'm trying to protect my children like you shelter them too much in a way like yeah like this happens like parents like they want to protect their children and they kind of like how they go about it is kind of counterintuitive Mm -hmm. maybe because that happens that happens a lot when when parents try to I don't know does that make sense yeah no I get get what you're going yeah (laughs) I, I couldn't it. put it into words, but I'm like, that get that, it. that happens now in you, life. Now you're just thinking about all the times you got in trouble with your parents. It's like, oh, oh, man. No, uh, I'm just trying, not, not times that, like, necessarily I've been, like, gotten in trouble with my parents, but just times that, like, my parents are trying to tell me to kind of not, I don't know. I just feel like this <laughs> happens. Oh, yeah, more often than not. It's it's super relatable, especially this this scene right here, the, the father-son talking. It's super relatable. Well, you know, as a kid, you're lost. Like, you you don't know what your morals or ethics are sometimes, and you've done something that you think is good, that you feel is good, right? And it's, it, you rely on your parents to sort of build, make sense of that world for you. And you have all these other influences, like your friends or your, you know, teachers and stuff. And it's like sometimes they're at, they're at odds or conflict with what your parents are telling you. Um, you know, and, and in this case, he has his other dad, Jorel, who is telling him something opposite what his dad, what his earth dad tells him. So it's, you know, I understand that I'm trying to pull him in different directions. But it's it's weird to think of Jonathan Kent as more of like the darker, the corrupting influence um, at home. It's it's something completely out of character of, of Jonathan Kent, which I wasn't mad about. I, I kind of enjoyed it. Um, I really liked uh, these this minute and the next one, especially when I think at the end of the minute um, you hear uh, Pete Ross's mom saying it's, it's not the first time he's done something like this. So this like angry kind of fight between father and son has to have happened before in the past mm-hmm. and what were the other things that he was doing like were they as big as saving you know his classmates from from a bus crash yeah, was it something so. you know silly as 
him, you know, stealing a pack of gum with super speed or something like that. But it's definitely like um, it kind of puts thought into your mind of uh, of how how often Clark has been um, kind of confused as to what what is right and what his morals are. I'm sure like the instances of his superpowers have just been like a slow build. Like maybe it started with him kicking a soccer ball too hard to like maybe grabbing someone a little too hard and like almost hurting them. And every single time Jonathan Kent has been there, like, don't do that. Don't like you're like, you need to relax and you not do this. And you know, it's gotten not to say worse, but you know, it's led up to this whole school bus thing in which, you know, Jonathan Kent's like, we, we talked about this. You can't be doing stuff like that. Um, and, I like the complexity there. I like that we're not just watching a film where Jonathan and Martha Kent's like, you know, be Superman all yeah. the time. Like, like be, be that, you the know, happy go lucky family. Like do that. Thing. Like, yeah, I understand what, where they're trying to get to. I understand that they want him to be careful. I want him. I, I like that. They want him to realize that there are repercussions in, in, in the actions that you, that you choose to make. Mm-hmm. So, I like that there is that that conflict that's that's instructed to him in this film rather than, you know, the absence of that. But it's just me. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. I, I do like the complexity. I just don't there's a point here where in the next minute where it, it flies off the rails for me and goes a little too far and we'll we'll get to that soon. But yeah. I think I know yeah. what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I think I know exactly what part of that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, uh, do you guys have anything else for this one? Um, I think that's it. My biggest thing was him him laughing at her with the thought of comparing him to, to acts of God and stuff. I really like that. Because I've, I've always thought of Superman as a god godlike character. And when someone that, you know, especially pre-Superman era, when, when a miracle per se happens, of course someone's going to, you know, completely uh, atone it to, to an act of God. But then once someone starts flying in the air, they're kind of just, you know, goes right out the window. It almost makes you think, like, churches and, and, and religion should just, like, completely... Of course, there's going to be followers and stuff. But it seems like a, a majority of religious followers, once Superman was outed, seems like it would just drop off a lot. It defies everything. Everything. That's going way yeah. too far into... <laughs> yeah, that stuff, would be a whole other movie. It's true. It's true. It defies everything. There's, have you guys seen the leftovers on HBO? No, it's it's a it's a series that gets some of these questions. But there's a a point where like one percent of the population just vanishes for no no explanation, and the people who were super religious, you know, want to claim that it was an act of God, and other people start new religions, start new beliefs. It's like something that is, is so hard for you to comprehend that it completely changes humanity. Yeah, right. That. It's the same kind of thing, and I think there's that that could be a whole other movie, a perspective of the regular person, you know, what what they think now that Superman is is on the earth, and I, I think that's what they're trying to get at in in this and Batman v Superman. They just don't really, they don't really give enough time to let let people think about that. Yeah, I agree. It needs to watch. Uh, you know, five years from now, people are going to go up, and Dawn of Justice is going to be one of the best movies that people are going to say. <laughs> I <laughs> it needs to again, sink in. again, the media scene is my favorite moment of that entire film because of that you know and you like when certain people in the, in that scene are saying that 
he's not a demon or messianic figure. He's just a guy trying to do the right thing. And then you get to um, Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's saying that his presence challenges our own sense of priority. Mm -hmm. And it's it's true that this guy would, you know, quote unquote, would be a figure of controversy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, just imagining a world where where people's perception just completely changed so suddenly like that just seems like it's it's like a dark yeah. dystopian twist already to it so which it is why sets the tone for this whole universe which is why jonathan kent wants them to be careful because yeah yes and, you can do this but like i don't know i just can't stress the whole like you know be careful about it yeah i uh, I, I don't i don't agree with letting those people die but i'm just as long as you can understand the consequences of it as well as the reward i think you can't you can't just ignore it to ignore it would be an error in itself to not to not understand like the repercussions obviously yes you save those people they're you know well the the repercussions of him telling Clark, this is going to come to bite Jonathan Kent in the ass in, in a few minutes too. So it's definitely a, a, a cause and effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Constant theme for Superman. The struggle. A cause and effect. Yeah. It's always, oh. it's, it's always like that. And yeah. that's what I always, that's what I learned from all the years of reading. Yada, yada. No, I agree. Um, But I mean, that's, that's all I got. I don't know. I did have one small note, uh, that, which is completely outside of what we've been talking about, is the first bit of product placement that I saw, which is the Mr. Coffee on the side of the coffee pot. And I wouldn't even written it down if it weren't for the like completely obvious and overt product placement later in the Smallville fight, where it's like IHOP, and I think, like, is it Walmart or Kmart or something? Uh, yeah, Sears. Sears, okay, that's right. It was like giant Sears logo. <laughs> yeah. I just had to wonder if any money changed hands in this uh, Mr. Coffee deal. Or if that was the pot they found in a thrift store somewhere. Um, I did, what did I say? I think that I, th- I wrote a silly note here when it was like, "What's Pete doing? He's being a tattletale right now." So like, if you look at back, he's just sitting on the couch like a dumbfounded, like, "Why'd you have to drag me here, Mom? I was just telling you how cool it was when Clark saved us." Like, <laughs> was it that, or was he like, "Oh my God, Mom, this kid is freaking out," and I call him a dick splash, and then all of a sudden he saved me from drowning. Like, he, he's a tattletale. He's a tattletale. He's a coward. It could have been worse. There could have been like a whole like PTA meeting. That's what I'm saying. It seems like <laughs> like Jonathan Kent's almost overreacting. It seems like there should be a, a mob of all the kids' parents that were on the bus there wanting answers, not just Pete's mom, who's obviously uh, really connected with the local church or something. But it seems like they that could have been sh- even worse. It could have yeah, been a whole church. Exactly, it the should- kid could have been brought to church. They could have been like, "Yo, we need to check out your kid. Like, make sure he comes on Sunday. Yeah, eleven in the morning. It also and, like, go- we're it- gonna have a service <laughs> and like pray for like you know there could have been the it's- response that got out of this whole bus accident was nothing. Is nothing than what it's it could have been. It's like and more. I think less than what it should have been. It kind of like I guess you could, if you want to have an excuse for it. There's a there's a bunch of scenes. Uh, randomly spread out in the Superman books and everything where they do go back to uh, Smallville and like if it is young Clark and something weird happens like 
he flew. Everybody's like, oh, it must be a gas pocket. Oh, wind must have just picked him up kind of thing. <laughs> they always have like these such weird explanations for, for things that they do, except for this one church-going Pete Ross mom who's just like, yep, it's God. Obviously, it's God. But it does seem like there should be an angry mob of people out in front of their house wanting answers for if this. If I know anything about really Christian people, they gossip like no one else. Exactly. So, so like, there would have been a huge, like, group. They would have been... I don't know. They have cell phones right in this moment. They would have <laughs> I don't been know, texting each it, other. But I don't it know, seems probably like it not. Goes, yeah, it goes back <laughs> to my question. Like, what were, like she said, she said this wasn't the first time Clark's done something like this. What were the other times? And if this bus thing was such a big deal to get Mrs. Ross over there, why isn't half the town over there before? What were his other past dealings and stuff? Maybe did he, did he set the whole cornfield on fire with his laser eyes? That is a lot of money lost for the farmers and could probably, you know, cause a big uproar. And, and a lot of people would go. Maybe she's the weird mommy. one. And they're like. And they're all just like, man, oh, he's just guys. Miss Ross the kid is. Just, the weight of the, the bus yeah. went away when it's underwater. Everybody knows that. Miss <laughs> Ross is like always looking at her window and like, that boy's up to something. Oh, yeah. That boy's a weirdo. I think they do. I think they do mean for her to be a little uh, paranoid and and concerned, like like Carrie's mom and Stephen King's Carrie. You know, like every everything that's that that they've sort of congealed the whole town's people down into this one woman just to move the plot along. I think that they've just put her here as representing what people might think, but she's like the most extreme example of that because she's a little crazy Christian. You know, I'm calling it calling it God, where it was. You know, you can really explain Superman's powers through science, but no one's gonna believe. Exactly, believe that. That's it. That's all. That's all my yeah, rant. No, that's yeah. just it. I mean, maybe there should be an angry mob, but no one wants to like support the crazy Christian lady in the no. town. Now they're all Christians, I'm assuming, in Smallville, but like, <laughs> like. They just see they just see Miss Ross as like the crazy one. Yeah. So when she starts saying that the the Clark Kent boy is is doing weird stuff, they're kind of just like, "Come on now." Yeah. It see it makes it just makes me want to think what she has said in the past. Like if maybe she, the Smallville like, community. What, yeah. What what are what were his other acts that she flipped out about? Like, again, if he set the, the cornfield on fire with his laser eyes, obviously that woman's like, that kid's a demon. He shoots fire from his eyes. And yeah. I wanted to see that conversation of them sitting on the couch drinking coffee. Not, okay, hey, thanks for your son saving my kid from a drowning bus and all the other students. You know, reverse side. Hey, you just burned up this entire crop and now we can't afford to put food on our table for this family. Like, it seems just like... Maybe the Smallville community likes the Kents more than the Ross family <laughs> you know why because uh they have a perfect family picture and they they gravitate towards that yeah maybe because they look at miss ross and he, she's probably not with you know pete's father anymore and they're probably like yeah we don't support that it's weird but that could be a thing that's yeah. usually a thing the you know small town look at this nuclear family that's like perfect yeah and you're trying to like turn their boy into looking like a demon get out of here lady oh yeah it could be like a you cast out like you're an outcast yeah could be i mean maybe just people in smallville are just dim-witted i don't know <laughs> no you're right <laughs> <laughs> um but that's all i got for this one yeah i'm done all right all righty guys we're gonna go ahead and wrap up this minute if you love what you hear don't forget to rate subscribe do all that jazz and you can find us on all social media at dceu minute 
And don't forget to check out Chris's podcast, The People v. Batman v. Superman, and the DC Legacy Filmcast. And we'll catch you guys on the next one here at DC Cinematic Minute.